0: We're so blessed to enjoy another beautiful day of freedom and just the ability to work and, and get things accomplished today. And I hope that was your experience as well. I, I, try, to, I try to be a, a grateful servant. That's my goal is to be a grateful servant. And so when I get up in the morning, I, I start my day with Thanksgiving. I, 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 wanna, I just want to look around me. I don't want to be thankful. Here's, here's the key to that, and that's Psalm 100. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. I don't know if you ever thought about that, but when you think of where the, how the tabernacle was set up, you enter into the, the outer part by going through the gates, and, and what the scripture, David, is saying, you, ent- you, start, you start moving toward God with gratefulness, with thanksgiving. And then you walk into his very presence with praise. What's the difference between thanksgiving and praise? Okay, thanksgiving is, is giving thanks for the blessings and the things around you that you, are, you recognize come from our Father, which it's almost everything, okay? And I don't, want to take, I don't want to take those things for granted. And then praise is acknowledging him for his nature and his character qualities, which we looked at last night. You know those starting out with God's own description of compassion and merciful and long suffering and, and, and uh, slow to anger and forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin and abounding in love. So that's the praise and worshiping Him for who He is. Tonight we want to look at another, I, I call these foundations for life and I call them tools for our toolboxes for life. And so tonight here's another tool for our toolbox. It's so important. Identity is very, very important. Identity is, the definition is up there. It's, it's how I see myself relative to the world around me. How do I relate to the world around me? How do I see myself? And that's, that's crucial. And I go to, the, I go to Paul's teachings to, to get this. There's another handout here, but I think I'll wait till the end. It's an exercise you can do on your own uh, to, to just evaluate or, and to see how, how God wants you to have your identity in him. But Paul, we go to Paul. Why? Because think of what Paul's identity was. Before he became a, a converted man, what was his identity? Yeah. How would you see Paul's identity? What was it? An upright Jew. An upright Jew. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Mm-hmm. Did you have another added, added to that? very zealous, determined, a go-getter, wasn't going to let anything stand in his way. Uh, he, he was willing to go to extremes to carry out the, zealousy, the zealousness that he had for God. When he became a, a new man, his identity changed dramatically. His nature changed dramatically. He went from this aggressive man persecuting the church to a man who, who totally saw himself as a new creature. And that's why when you read Paul's writings, he's one of my favorite writers in the scriptures. Maybe you're not supposed to have favorite writers in the scriptures, but he, I relate to him because where he came from, and then he writes how we, we can get there as well. He wants to show us that journey that he took. He understood that journey, and he understood it well. So how many of you have ever seen that building before? Okay, that's up there. Okay, I see one hand in the back there. Uh, it's, it's the, the Burj al-Arab. It's over in Dubai. Years ago, the Empire State Building was the tallest building in the world. Well, it's been far surpassed many times over, but that today currently is the tallest building in the world. Now, what's fascinating about that building is it's built on an island that was not there originally. Okay, that's a man-made island. Now, tell me how you could build... The tallest building on the world in the world to withstand storms and wind how could you do that on a man-made island okay what would you have to do you'd have to go down to bedrock wouldn't you you'd have to go down to fun- you'd have to go down to the bedrock and they had to start pouring concrete and they had to start building an island on something that would not move and would not be shakeable and that's what they did and they built the tallest building in the world on an island that was, that, that was not there before. So our identity, to me, our identity is bedrock foundational so that the world don't shake us, the storms of life don't shake us. We talked about our theology last night, how we see God, that's so vitally important too, but our identity is as well. Okay, it looks like our mouse doesn't wanna go here. There we go. My identity, does it align with what God says? Okay, our identity. Is it aligned with what God says? Will I agree with what God says? That's something else that we want to ask. And, and look at this scripture. I always thought this talked about marriage. But I think it talks about us and God. Can two walk together unless they are agreed? Can we walk with God unless we agree with him? And you see, it's important for us tonight, we want to we see what God says about our identity, and then it's going to be very important for us to agree with God what he says about our identity. You see, if we don't agree with him, we're going to have a hard time walking with him. So our identity, our, we, we basically get our identity from our family. That's where our first identity comes from, how we grow up in an environment in a family with a mom, dad, or, or whatever the family ends up being. And that's we—that's that's the foundational initial point where we get our identity. And then the community that we grow up in, uh, church community. You know, if you've grown up in, in a church, that's the next place you would form your identity. And then life experience, it also forms our identity. So those are the three major things that form our identity. Now here's, here's the challenge, you see, because what happens is, is this brings, this gives rise to multiple identities. And, and we can have we can have we can be one person when we're with our family. We can be another person when we're at church. And we can be another person when we're at work. Another person when we're by ourselves. Another person when we're on vacation. You know, see, we can have multiple identities, and that creates problems for us. That creates problems for us. You see, God wants us to get a a completing or a or a consolidating uniting identity as. Who we are as his child. And to do that, it has to be with this very important phrase. We get our identity as a child of God because we are in Christ Jesus. In Christ is repeated over and over again in the scriptures. In Christ. And what does that mean? Well, you see, I believe that the number one need in everybody's life is intimacy. It's something we long for, to be close to somebody, close enough that we can share our innermost feelings and our innermost beings. Marriage is usually the place where we would think of that happening, but you know, it rarely does because to be to have intimacy, you have to be vulnerable. And guess what we don't like to be? When we're vulnerable, that makes us scared because now somebody can know us more than what we might want them to know us, and now they can hurt us. The more The closer you are to somebody the more damage they can do and so intimacy means to be to have intimacy you have to be vulnerable and to be vulnerable vulnerability is is the willingness to be known the willingness to be known and and so to have an intimate relationship with somebody you have to be willing to be known and god wants us to have an intimate relationship with him in fact that's when you when you when you see this phrase in Christ, you're, that's going to keep on coming up over and over again. So let's keep going. We'll we'll see how often it comes up, and then we'll we'll hopefully see how that applies to us and what it means. I tell people when you get your identity, go to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter one and chapter two and chapter three is where I tell people to go for their identity. In fact, I tell them to camp out in chapter one first. Just camp out in chapter one, and, and so let's let's read it. I don't think I have the whole chapter here, but let's just look at it. It's up here on the screen. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You see, the term in Christ, in him, in the beloved, is 12 times, depending which version you're reading, but It's it's approximately 12 times in chapter 1. Do you think it's important? I tell people, watch for repeated phrases when you're looking at your identity. And in Christ is 12 times in chapter 1. Nine times in chapter 2. I think it might be 6 in chapter 3. I forget. I don't remember. But you see, Paul is telling us, in Christ is very important. And so that means... He wants us to know what it's like to be in Christ. And he says, these are all the things that happen when you're in Christ. For he chose us in him. You see, well, let's keep going. Before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Now look what it says next. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Once again, I, I think I showed you Exodus 34 in my Bible yesterday. If I'd show you Ephesians, it's more colored up than, than Exodus is. I, I camped out in Ephesians because I needed to get my, my identity solid there. And for, for many years ago, I just read Ephesians and Galatians and Colossians repeatedly because I wanted my identity solid in Christ. And that's what Paul communicates that, because he knew he had to transfer his identity as this this highly educated, can't can't remember what the phrase, but just up on the upper class, well-educated Jew, to becoming a chosen, much died for, unworthy child of God. And so he communicates these things very well. And here it says he predestined us. So what's predestination all about? Well, here I see that you see there is no other way for you. He predestined from the very beginning of the earth that if you are going to be his child, he predestined that, that process is going to be you, us, receiving Jesus as our Savior and as our Lord. When we receive Christ as our Savior and Lord, we become in him and he becomes In us. You start that intimate relationship by faith, believing in him. We become in him and and he predestined that that's how we can become his son. There is no other way to become his son or daughter of of God than through Christ Jesus by being in him and he in you. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons. Both our children are adopted. Shortly after we were married, Grace had And ovarian abscess that burst, and that took care of her ability to have children. So our two children are adopted. Uh, I don't even think of them as being adopted; they're just our children. But here, we to be a child of God, you have to be adopted. Okay. So if you're adopted here tonight, you're you got to. That's very special. It really is. But it says, look, it's not only he predestined it, it; it's in accordance with his pleasure and will. It pleases God. To have you receive Jesus to be in him. To the praise of his glorious grace. Okay, now we keep going. Verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood. In him we have forgiveness of sins. According to the riches of God's grace. Remember how we saw all those character qualities of God last night? Full of forgiveness. Abounding in mercy. Slow to anger. Compassionate. Yeah, In Him we have all these things according to the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. In other words, He did this with careful thought. The plan of salvation was not just something thrown hastily together. It was with all wisdom and all understanding from the one who is all wise and all understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. Can you see that this pleases God to have us adopted as his children? That's amazing. Totally amazing. Which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. God's plan in the ultimate end is for his heavenly family that he created and his earthly family who will be given immortal bodies to become one. He wants his family united. In him we were also chosen. Did you know that you are chosen? Listen, if we don't personalize this, we can think it's for the person sitting next to me or somebody else, but no. If you have received Jesus and and you've by faith, accepted him as your Lord and your Savior. This is talking about you. You are chosen. How many of you want to be chosen? I like to be chosen. Yeah. Yeah. When you're playing games, your last one chosen, that don't feel good. But you know, you're chosen. God chose you. Yeah. Having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything to conform with the purpose of his will. In order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So when you heard the gospel message and you by faith received it, you are in Christ, predestined, chosen, died for. You're his adopted child of God. Full heirs, fully heirs. We'll see that, okay? Having believed, having believed, You can't work for this. You can't earn it. You have to believe it. Having believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Did you know your body, we talked about that, how valuable it is, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That gives you value and worth. We talked about that the first night that to have your body as the very temple that God himself lives in his fullness, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, dwells in our bodies. That's amazing. And he's talking about you, not your neighbor, not your spouse. He's talking about you. If you have believed in him, he's talking about you. He gave us His promised Holy Spirit, and it's a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. We are going to have eternal life. He's guaranteeing that until the redemption of those who are God's possession. So, identity, identity defines our purpose. If, if I ask somebody, if I ask a man, you know, uh, hey, hi, uh, tell me about yourself, you know what they usually start talking about? Their job. Men get their identity out of the, what they do, their job, right? I'm a mechanic, I'm a truck driver, I'm whatever, okay? When you ask a woman to tell you about herself, what's she going to talk about? What's she going to talk about? Yes. She's going to talk about her family. She's going to talk about relationships. You see, it's interesting. God, man created, God created us as men to to get our identity out of our hands and what we do, he created you gals to get your identity out of your womb. And you and your 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 relational. Much more relational. We're we're wired different. We really are. We're created different. It's important for us to see that. So here, it, do we men men work and so they're very more much more performance oriented. A salesman, farmer, mechanic, a carpenter. Women their womb, relationships, mom, daughter, wife, and friend. And it's, be, and, and it's because of those reasons oftentimes men are lonelier than what women are because they, they don't, they're not as easily connected emotionally with other people. Even they'll have a little bit more struggle connecting with their spouses, which sometimes their spouses grieve that because they would like to have that more emotional connection. And so us men have to work harder at our relationships than maybe you gals do because God wired you that way. But oftentimes we get our identity out of this. Here's the thing is a tangible identity, our work, men, you know, it's, it's proven that when oftentimes when men retire, they, they don't live as long as women, if women are working and retire. Why? Because they got their identity in their jobs. And all of a sudden, they lose some of their value and their worth, and they they lose some of their purpose. Whereas gals are more relational, and so they start connecting with their children, their grandchildren. Yeah. But tangible identities will change. It can be lost. And when you lose purpose in living, you give up. You know, we just, just in our local community, we just had a man give up, didn't we? And we grieve that. Can you imagine? It's just a heartache. The heartache that now is there, but somehow he gave up. It was, life was too big. What's your purpose in life? Okay? What is our purpose in life? Peter, and we looked at this scripture last night. Peter says, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father. When he heard God say, this is my son, whom I love, I'm well pleased with him. We looked at this last evening, so we don't have to look at it closely again. But you see, Jesus got his identity out of being the the son of the father. We need to get our identity out of being the son and daughter of the father. Identity determines our significance. All people are significant. All people are significant. When people don't feel significant, wanted, needed we develop feelings of insecurity and worthlessness, and we find ways to mask or medicate those negative feelings. Do I have value to somebody? That's very, very important to us. And you know, we talked about that we have the power to delight in somebody and show them and give them that delight. We also have the power to value somebody and give value to them. We do that with our actions, with our words, with our attitudes, with our, our eyes. Do I, do I have value to somebody? And the reason why we're going over this and, and why it is so important is because life is difficult. Life is challenging. There's, there's broken marriages. There's divorce. There's death. There's, there's horrible things that happen in relationships. And you see, those are tangible things and they disappear and they go away. But there's one that will not. And that's why identity, who we are as a child of God, is bedrock foundational so we can handle the storms of life. Do I I have value to somebody? Do I matter? Does somebody care? Look what Jeremiah says. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. What do wise men boast about? Well, that they know a lot. The strong man, what does he boast about? Because he's strong. The rich man, because he has money. But he says, but let him who boasts boast about this, that he understands and knows me. Remember what Jesus said? Eternal life is knowing God and his Son Jesus, whom He sent. He says, Let him boast about knowing me. He understands and knows me. He knows my ways. He knows my ways. He knows and understands. That's what Jeremiah is saying back there in the Old Testament. He says, I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight, and if God delights in that, he wants us to delight in that. But then, we're, well, here's Paul. Look what Paul says. Brothers, think of what you were before you were called. And see, this is why Paul writes, because he knew what he was before he was called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. Now, listen, what, do, you get it? do you see what he's saying? He's, he's saying, listen, before you became a, a, a Christian, not many of you were, you know, Upper scale. But guess what? Now that you become God's child, guess who you are now? You're the child of a king. You're you're the the child of the king who owns everything and you are going to inherit everything that he... That means you're wealthy too. Paul doesn't waste words. We need to pay attention to what he's saying. He says it's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us, okay, Jesus has become for us our wisdom and our righteousness, our holiness, our redemption. You see, when we are in Christ, we have all those. Jesus has become that for us. You see, that gives us so many things to be grateful for. When you get up in the morning, I am a child of the King. He's my Father. And when I get up in the morning, I want a good cup of coffee. Do you know why? Because I'm going to have coffee with my daddy. And I'm going to read his word, and he's going to talk to me, and I'm going to talk to him. Yep, I would sure like to hear him audibly speak to me. But do you know what? He speaks to me when I'm reading his word. Yeah, I call it porch time in the morning when it's nice. And when, even when it's not nice, we have, a, we have a wraparound porch in our house. And it's sort of special to me to sit out there and listen to the birds sing. And I keep on sitting out there pretty when it gets pretty cold and put a coat on. I still like that. Okay? It's because it's my time with God, it's my time with my Father. Because in this, it is because of God that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for you wisdom your wisdom, our righteousness, our holiness, our redemption. It is in Jesus. You, you see how important it is to be in Christ? It sure is therefore here's paul quoting jeremiah see therefore if it's written if here it is written if you want to boast boast about this boast in the lord so Kerbin, can not pick on you who are you you're a child of god amen amen and amen you're a child of God, too. Absolutely. We are God's children, adopted and full heirs. That's amazing. We'll, we'll get there. Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. It's so important for us to get our identity in Christ. What do you boast about? Think about what you boast about, okay? Here's a key statement. I have this written above my, in my Bible, in, above, in, in, when you open the, my Bible to Ephesians, This is written above Ephesians. It's not what you do that determines who you are. It is who you are that determines what you do. What do you think of that? What do you think of that? You see, it's who you are that determines what you do. If you're a mechanic, it's who you are as a mechanic that determines what you do. If you're a doctor or a nurse... It de- it's who you are that determines what you do. If you're a child of God, it's going to determine what you do. Can you hear that? That's so. That's so crucially important. So crucially important. So here's you have your hand out there, and and here's competing identities. And here's what competing ide- identities are like. I'm I'm one person. I'm one person at home. Another person when I'm in, with my family. Another person at church. Another person with at work. This is who I was. This is who I was. I could identify with this. This teaching comes out of my experience. I could be one person. I felt very competent at work. Ebling Service Plus. Okay, that was that was me. It was Grandpa started it, and then I bought it, and and then now it's run by other people. You see, that was I got I got to share this with you. I want to tell you where this teaching came from. It came out of Ebling's. I'm sorry, I shouldn't clap. I'm, I'm sorry. I'll try not to make so much noise. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I got, I had Lyme disease, and I was really sick. And, and I, I just was, I, I was so exhausted, I could hardly make myself put one foot in front of the other. Our whole family got it. My son had it before I had it. Uh, anyway, we, we, we were just really, my son and I especially we were very, very sick. And I just realized I couldn't, I couldn't run the business anymore. I, I actually, this is not me. I put a lazy boy in my office. And I would say, hey, over lunch hour, I I don't want to be disturbed. And I would go in there, and I'd flip back on my Lazy Boy, and I would sleep. And after I woke up, I could get back at it again, but this was going downhill, and I didn't know what was was wrong with me. I didn't know I had Lyme disease. So eventually, I, I realized, I don't know what's wrong, but it felt like I was dying, and so I decided... We, we better sell the business because Grace don't need to deal with this if I, I can make these decisions now. So I asked the fellows that worked for me if they were interested in buying the business and they said they were, so I sold the business to them. And I remember it, it was a good feeling because they worked for me. I trusted them. We we, we still have a very, very, very good relationship. I, they're like my boys. But I want to tell you what happened. Okay? After I signed those papers... And all of a sudden, I realized that from now on, I was gonna be worth less instead of more, okay? Because you see, I wasn't, I wasn't running a business that was growing, and that business had been growing, but now I, I transferred it to somebody else. Now they were gonna pay me for the business over time, and so I could live on that money for a while, but my worth was going down instead of up. But also, I'm gonna tell you what happened is, I got my identity as who I was as the owner of Ebeling Service Plus. I did. And people saw me. They actually called me Jason Ebling. My name isn't Jason Ebling. My name's Jason Reed. But people would call me Jason Ebling because I, they identified me with that. And I did too. I got my identity there. After, and you know what? I, 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 used to, I started waking up in the middle of the night having panic attacks. And I felt like I was out in the middle of the ocean in a rowboat with no oars or an engine. I mean, it was panic attack. I would just go, what did I do? Who am I? I mean, I got my identity out of that, and all of a sudden it was gone. I was no longer—I didn't—I was no longer running the business. I had to stop and reevaluate. And and I, yes, I was a believer. Yes, I was a minister. I was an ordained minister. Uh, but I had to reevaluate, and this teaching came out of that, because I realized I needed to have an, an identity that wasn't going to disappear. It wasn't going to change. I needed to know who I was as a born again, chosen, died for in Christ by intent and predestination of God to be his child. And that's what I want you to hear. I want us to get so solid in our hearts and in our minds, in our souls, that we are that that child of God. By choice, by God, he chose you in Christ Jesus. To be his son. And we're going to see what comes with that. But you see, when you have multiple identities like this, here's what James says. James says a double-minded man is unstable in, his, in all his ways. Just stop and think about that. Are you one person at work? Are you another person at home? Are you another person when you're on vacation? Are you another person when you're by yourself? Do you look at things on your cell phone that you wouldn't look at when with your wife was sitting by your side or your husband by your side? Who are you? Okay. Because when you are in Christ Jesus, guess what? Christ is with you all the time, and He sees everything you do, and He knows everything about you. We need to. Anyway, I, I had so much to, tonight that I, I can't even begin to go over it all. But let's keep on going. See how far we get. Okay. So we need a completing identity, and this is this is and this is. Uh, very very important we need our primary identity our primary identity as a child of god then all these sub identities are okay yes we are gonna we're gonna be at home we're gonna be at work we're gonna be on vacation we're gonna be at church all those sub identities are okay but let's go back to this again let's look at this because you see what do people see us when people think of us how do they see us well guess what they see they they see our words they hear our words they experience our attitudes and they see our behaviors you see our our words our attitudes and behaviors are who people see that we are that's 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 what comes out of us our words our attitudes and our behaviors and so if we're what happens is is I'm my words and attitudes behaviors are different when I'm at home and when I'm at work you see I can, I can maybe tell dirty stories when I'm at work, but I would never tell that at church. Or maybe off-color ones, or, or maybe just a little shady, you know? But you see, then I'm not, I, I have, and that's, that's this unstable person because I'm not consistent. But when you, are, when you know who you are as a child of God, now your words and attitudes are all going to be consistent. And now they're going to flow out into every one of those sub-identities. My words will always be truthful. They'll always be full of grace. They will always be uh, honest. Okay? My words, my attitudes, and my behaviors are going to flow out of who I am as a child of God. That's why that statement says, it's not what you do that determines who you are. It's who you are that determines what you do. Very, very important for us to get and see. Any, any comments, any thoughts as we're going along? I don't give you time, do I? I just keep on ratchet-jawing. Here's an, a, a defeating identity, a defeating identity of self. And this is our, you see, this is our fallen nature. Do you, you ever be around selfish people? Oh, it doesn't take long. Uh, the conversation is usually about them. Even if it goes somewhere else, it comes back to them and about what they're doing. And... and this is something that I need to look at all the time. Why? It's because this is our fallen nature. There are two people within us. You read, you read Romans 7 and you read Romans 8, or Romans 6, 7, and 8, and you see that picture of Paul saying, the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I should do, I don't do. You know, he says, oh, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this bondage? And he says, thanks be unto God. It is through Christ Jesus. You see it is in Christ that will deliver us. In Christ, in Christ. Getting our identity in Christ will deliver us from this du- duplicity that we have the tendency to live in. So when you have this selfishness, this is this is a, adults in infant this is infants in adult bodies, okay? Children in adult bodies. This is iniquity. It's that iniquity we talked about last night. All we like sheep have gone astray. Everyone has turned to his own way. We are born selfish, and Jesus came to save us from our self-centered selfishness. Consider Paul's prayer for his people in Ephesians 1, that they may have a heart understanding of what they already have in Christ, riches, hope, and glory, and power. He ignores their economic and political circumstances, although they had daily troubles. He knew that if believers own this, if they own this, it doesn't matter how difficult circumstances are. We will process them in a way that makes us great. This handout that I'm, we're going to hand out at the end, it's in the, on the one side it says, here is an exercise for knowing God and knowing who we are as his child. And then it, it describes the process of the exercise. On the back, on the other side, is, is, is Ephesians chapter 1. And so what I want you to do is... Do this exercise so, it, so Ephesians, Ephesians 1 becomes real and alive to you. It's what we read in the beginning on, on the screen, and it's what we're going to keep on looking at here. If we don't have this, it doesn't matter how good circumstances are. We'll process them in a way that makes us shallow and weak. I, I, I like doing crazy things with PowerPoint. Okay, there we go. <laughs> Let's do that again. <laughs> Just I'm sorry. Uh, I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father. Can you, did you see what Paul says? Why? Paul says, the glorious Father. Why? He understood that he was serving a God before who was this, this, this dictator. And now he served a God who he, he saw was compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin. He saw this and he calls him the glorious father. May the glorious father give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I would like to challenge everyone in this room. This became my prayer. And I believe God has honored this prayer. I, before I, before, when I get up in the morning, like I said, I want a good cup of coffee and I want my Bible. And before I start reading, that's the prayer I pray. Father, I'm going to be reading your word would you give me the spirit of wisdom? Because if you don't give me the spirit of wisdom, how will I understand what I'm reading? Would you give me the spirit of revelation so that you would reveal the truths that are here that sometimes I won't see, but just would you reveal it to me? And I pray this over and over again. And, you know, I don't know how many times I have read Ephesians, and I just read it again just in the last couple of weeks. And I read yesterday, I was reading it again, and I read it again this morning not the whole chapter, but especially chapter one, because I knew I was going to be talking about it. I keep seeing new things all the time. Why? It's because the scripture is alive, it's living, and it is progressive revelation. The more you learn, the more you grow, the more that God will show you. And so that's a prayer I ask. Father, would you give me the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation so that I can know you better? Wow. So I'd encourage you, make that your prayer. It's in it's in Ephesians 1, 17. And then here's what he keeps, he says, I keep asking that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know. Look what he wants you to know. In order that I may know the hope to which he has called me, the hope to which he's called you. Now, and and the riches of his glorious inheritance is incomparably great power for us who believe. Now, we want to look at these. We want to look briefly here at hope and at riches and at power. Tomorrow night, Lord willing, we want to talk about one of the more important, also a very important tool tool in our toolbox, and that's forgiveness. And I see that we've heard many sermons on forgiveness, but we still don't know how to forgive. We want to see how Jesus defines forgiveness tomorrow night. And, And here is a very key point. You see what it says there? The riches of his glorious inheritance. You can't forgive people if you don't know how rich you are. So we'll talk about that tomorrow night. Okay. So look, do you know? He says, "I keep praying that the eyes of your heart would be open, in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you." Now I don't know that's pretty small up there. I don't know if you can read it, but look at look what Timothy one verse two says. It says, "A faith and knowledge, a faith and knowledge." Your faith rests on a hope. It says here that your faith rests on hope, resting on the hope of eternal life. If you don't have a sure hope of eternal life, your faith is going to be shaky. Can you see that? That's what Paul's saying here. Your faith must rest on a sure hope of eternal life. And look what he says. He continues there, which God who does not lie. It's one of his Aren't you grateful that we have a father who is compassionate and gracious loving forgiving slow to anger but he also is truthful he does not lie and he says he promised before the beginning of time that we would have eternal life in christ isn't that awesome hallelujah that in christ we have eternal life and that is an absolute sure hope because god the father promised it and he cannot lie isn't that amazing wow that's a hope unbelievable Colossians 1, 4 and 5 says, we have heard of your faith and love that spring from the hope. If you don't have a sure hope, you're going, to have, you're going to struggle having faith and love. Okay? Faith and love that spring from hope. That is stored up for you in heaven. You see, that's a hope. It's a sure hope. It's stored up for you. It's there. Romans 15 13. May the God of hope. God is a God of hope. We are incredibly hope-based creatures. If you didn't have hope, you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't enjoy living. But this is a sure hope. I had the awesome privilege. You know, our older generations, they didn't, and, and, and you're going to still find this in more of the traditional groups of people. They don't have a sure hope. They don't have a sure hope. Oh, I hope I can be, I've heard people tell me this. I hope I'm good enough that I can be saved. You can't be good enough to be saved. Did you know that? You can't be good enough to be saved. Our righteousness is as what? Filthy rags. It's only our faith in Christ. It is only by believing in Jesus that gives us a sure hope. Wow, I had the awesome privilege of helping my mother find that sure hope. Because you see, that generation, they always hoped they could be good enough to be saved. It was sort of what was taught. It was sort of what was programmed into them. I I hope I can be good enough. I just hope I'm good enough I can be saved. No, I'm sorry, you can't be good enough. And then we want... Uh, let's keep going. We're going to run out of time. Okay. And now, the, the riches. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Out of his glorious riches. And you see, you are an inheritor. You're an inheritor of everything. And we're going to see that tomorrow night. We'll see that tomorrow night. Anyway, look at Ephesians 1:19 and 20. That power... His incomparably great power for us who believe. What's that power like? He goes on to describe it. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand. Did you know that because you believe in Jesus, you have the resurrection power in you? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. That's what Paul is saying here. Do you understand why I love Paul's writings? Because he tells us so important things. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. Isn't that amazing? Do you realize how significant that makes you? You are the inheritor of this. Wow! I hope you walk out here on cloud nine. Because your hope is absolute sure. You see, when our hope is sure, then the, when, when hope gets shaky all around us, that hope is one that doesn't get shaken. You see? Because a lot of things on earth get shaken. I'm 72. You know what? I realize my time on earth, is, and my body is not functioning like it used to. I realize that I'm going to be dealing with a body that's failing in the next little while. Okay, I, I, that's that's inevitable. Even if I live to 90 or 100, my body's still going to die, and it's going to it's going to give out and die. Okay, that's not a sure hope. I've got to have something that's sure hope to carry me through those times. I'm gonna I'm gonna bypass this. So truth applied. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life. Here's here's what's interesting. Now we went from I, I we get our identity in Ephesians one, two, and three. So that's what that's what I just bypassed right here. Okay, Ephesians one through three, it gives us all these promises. We're chosen by God. We're accepted in the beloved. Where we have redemption in Christ. We're secure in Him. And and you have to receive that. You can't achieve it, okay? And there I have it 12 times in chapter 1, nine times in chapter 2, six times in chapter 3. In Christ, in Christ, okay? So that's positional truth. In Christ, 1, 2, and 3 in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 is positional truth. But when you go to Ephesians chapter 4 through 6, now you have practical truth applied. Now I want you to really pay attention to this application because it's really important. It really is. Look what it says here in in verse 1 of chapter 4. It says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then, which tells you, because of what I just told you in 1, 2, and 3, now, as a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. What is that calling? That calling is, in Christ, you are adopted, and you are a son and a daughter of the living God. That's your calling. Now, because you live that, because you have that calling, now live a life worthy of that calling. Remember what we said, taking the name of the Lord your God in vain? He'll not hold us guiltless, and that doesn't mean swearing. It means that you, when you are in Christ, you take His name, and now you bear that name worthily. When people deal with you, they are dealing with Jesus in you. Are are you with me? You see, Christ lives in you. We sing that song, Christ liveth in me. Yeah, but does it come out? It needs to come out. It needs to come out in our speech, in our words, in our actions, in the way we treat people, in the way we deal with our families, with our children, our wives, our husbands. Jesus has to come out. That's why he says, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So, he's, here's what it says. It says in, in verse 2, be completely humble and gentle. Oh, I'm, hey, I want that. I'm good in that. No, I'm not. I'm working on that, okay? You see, the old man has to die so the new man can live, and I have to build these. That's why chapter 4, 5, and 6 is here, so I can learn what I need to build into this new creature who is now a in Christ child of God. Now I have to become this. This is what I do. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. See, this is the practical application. In in chapter 5, he says, Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. You see, this this is living a life worthy of the calling you have received. See, sometimes we just look at these as commands of God, but no, this is living a life worthy of being a son and daughter of God. This is an outpouring. This is the application. six, children, obey your parents. Parents, train. Don't provoke. Okay, put on the whole armor of God. Fight. Stand. Yeah. So if we build our identity on any created thing, we have a radically unstable identity. Okay. In Christ, all the fullness of the Godhead lives in bodily form. Listen to this. In Christ, all the fullness of the Godhead lives in bodily form and... Now, come on, you read this with me. Come on, let's read it together. Let's, let's start in the beginning. In Christ, okay? In Christ, all the fullness of the Godhead lives in bodily form, and you have been... No, let's, let's, turn, let's read it again and say, I have been given, okay? Okay? And I have been given fullness in Christ. You see, when Christ is in you, all the fullness of the Godhead bodily lives in you. Does that make any sense? See, and now it's supposed to come out. Now it's supposed to come out in the way we live. So I, I like it, ever, here's, a, here's a bit of a goofy read illustration. Okay, grace and truth model. So in, in, chapter, in Ephesians one through three, Paul divides almost all of his writings into two parts. He divides it from impositional truth and practical life application. Okay, and Peter does too. Peter 1, 1 Peter 1 through, and 2 is positional truth. First Peter 2 through 5 is, is life applica- application. But in Colossians, it's 1 and 2. Galatians, it's 1 and 3. That's all positional truth, 1, 1 through 3. And then in, in Colossians and Galatians, the last part is the practical life application. Paul does this in almost all of his writings. Romans, it's a little bit harder to divide. It's around 12 and 13 where it starts dividing. But, but let's look at this, okay? You see, positional truth is your identity. Positional truth is your identity. It's who you are in Christ. And that's why it's so important. Hear hear, hear this. You see, positional truth is the power for you. It gives you the power to do life application. And then life application is now grateful obedience. This is, since you have this calling, your identity, now... Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now, it's grateful obedience. You see, oftentimes in our, and, and maybe tomorrow night or Friday night, somebody asked me the question, why so much sexual sin in the liberal people and also in the more traditional people? I'll have a diagram, and I'm going to try and, and show you that because I think that's so important for us to see. Because in in many of the traditional groups, we're taught performance. And now you pay attention. You think about it in the past. I grew up. I heard very few sermons. Listen to this. I heard very few sermons coming out of the left. Ephesians 1 through 3, Colossians 1 and 2, Galatians 1 and 3, 1 Peter 1 and 2. I heard lots of sermons coming out of Ephesians 4 through 6. Okay? I heard lots of sermons coming out of the right side. I heard very few coming out of the left side. Why? It's because we, as a people, are very performance-oriented. And, and as a conservative Anabaptist people, we're very performance-oriented. Get her done. Do it right. You know? But then we started focusing on that. And here's what's interesting. is we're gonna sh- uh, The next, the next uh, illustration here is more of a law-based model, which, which many of us grew up in. Many of us grew up in this. You see, a law-based model, you have lots of life application which now it's striving to gain approval. And this is why my mother would have said, well, I just hope I'm good enough to be saved. And then if there is, a, and, and that's, that, then it turns into performance. Now I've got to keep on doing, doing, doing. I've got to work harder and harder. And if I don't, I, I run into people all the time that are just measuring themselves by, what if I'm not good enough? What if I don't do enough? What if I'm not doing it right? Well, I believe that God's people should do it right and they should try really hard to do things right. But it needs to come out of grateful obedience because you have the power of your identity to pull the weight of living right. But when it's a law-based model, it's all about performance and striving harder. And if there's a horse, he's little and he's in behind. I, I never saw a horse pulling a bu- I mean, pushing a buggy. I saw him pulling one, okay? You see, what happens is in, in those settings, you don't have the power to pull the obedience. And then it, you, people wear out, and they give up, and they lack hope. They give up because they lack hope. That hope is the sure hope of your identity and who you are promised in Christ. We're going to run out of time here. And here's a grace-based model, and this is the liberal side of, of, of the gospel and more the evangelical position it's it's all about positional truth and if there's a cart it's behind but there's not much on it or maybe there's nothing on it you see grace is 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 based on god's grace covers it all and it's it's all about who we are in christ well you see i don't think you can you can't split the two it's going to look like this it's going to be this it's going to be both it's it's the calling you received and now it's grateful obedience and and make any sense are you are you with me on this a little bit? Okay, let's keep rolling here. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things. This is Colossians now, see? This is Colossians. This is the performance side. This isn't performance side. This is now living it out. Look what he says here. In verse 1, 2 and 3 through 6, Colossians says, since you have been raised, since you have, that's what Paul was saying in Ephesians. He says, seeing then... Now, Paul is saying it in Colossians. Since then, you have been raised with Christ, since you have your identity with him. Set your hearts. You see, now that's our responsibility. I'm to set my heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Do you know what's interesting? In Ephesians 2, it says, we are seated with him at the right hand of the Father. That's what Ephesians 2 says. So, we, we need to set our ha- our hearts on there because Positionally, we are, we are in Christ and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Set your minds. We, we need to be con- not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We need to renew the way we think and, 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 and start thinking about things above. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Wow. Therefore, put to death See, this is our responsibility. Set your hearts, focus on, put to death the old man, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of of God is coming. Listen, I have to die daily. That's That's what Paul says, I die daily. What's he dying to? That. Do you think he wasn't a man that had had eyes that could see beautiful women and and that he didn't have a problem with sexual desire just like we do. Okay? He did. But he knew that he needed to he needed to focus on things above and he had to focus on his sure hope and he needed to focus on who he was as a child of God. You used to walk in these ways but now you must rid yourself of all these things. Look at that. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, don't lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self and put on a new self, you become like him. God, choose to believe what God says about you. How can two walk together unless they're agreed? Okay, pretty much, pretty much the end of the teaching here. I probably have lots more, but we need to quit. Okay, uh, Embrace the same thing that God says about you in his word. Become who you are in Christ. It's not what you do that determines who you are. It's who you are that determines what you do. Father, thank you. Thank you for uh, showing us how important it is for us to be in you and you in us. That's an intimacy that we have a hard time comprehending, but it is so close because you choose to actually make our bodies the dwelling place that you live in. Father, thank you for the love that is shown to us, indescribable love, and that you died for us to adopt us and you foreordained it because it was to the pleasure of your will it was your purpose and it and it brings you great pleasure to adopt us as your sons and daughters oh thank you father we have the most glorious father that we could possibly have and we thank you for that in jesus name amen a couple minutes any comments any thoughts after you have a guy up here talking like a machine gun. (laughs) Okay, thank you very much for your kind attention. Um, Here's a handout, Um, I don't know, can I get, get a couple people to hand them out? It's, it's that exercise, and it's simply, it's, it's Ephesians 1, and I put, I'm handing it out because I say, use a highlighter, use a pen, scribble on it, make notes, but, but see what God says to you as, you as you look through this. If not, make a nice paper airplane, you can see how far it'll fly.